Attention, all troops. He's alive. Alive. Welcome to the Rapnerless. As a kid, I did not have a ton of friends. Most of the time, I had two. Two really good friends, and we were a good fit for one another because no matter what diluted concept we could come up with, we all bought into it. We tried to start our own 50s-style street gang, or our bicycle-based detective agency, or even our breakdancing crew. All of these things, and I could tell you stories about each of them. We attacked with a tremendous amount of exuberance. Today I'd like to talk about our experiment with creating our video game crew. Now, the formation of the crew actually did not start in my mind. You might think it did because I love video games. But my two other friends lived closer to one another and I think spent more time with each other. And they had watched the TV show That's Incredible Together where they showed these people professionally playing arcade games. I had seen the same episode, but it did not occur to me, as it did them, that we should embark on a professional video arcade game career. So they came to me, having already picked the games that they were going to master. They had picked Donkey Kong and Pac-Man. Now, I am not good at Donkey Kong. Never have been. I don't think I ever will be. So that was fine by me. But I kind of like Pac-Man, and I love Miss Pac-Man. So I was a little bummed about this. Now, we wanted to stick with the classics, so they were bringing up games like Asteroids or Centipede or Space Invaders. Finally, we all agreed that I would become this master of Frogger. In retrospect, it wasn't a very good idea, because at the time, I was horrible at Frogger, and... Didn't really play it all that much, but I was committed to whatever we were going to do, and I committed to it wholeheartedly. Any opportunity I got from that point on, I played Frogger in the arcade. I was horrible at it. Just couldn't play it, and maybe that had to do with the equipment, or maybe just my natural limitations. But I thought I could overcome this when I got Frogger for the Atari 2600. Here I had unlimited gaming right at my fingertips, and I got really good at it, to the point where I started bragging, thinking... I'm going to show these people what I can do with Frogger. Now, if you've never played Frogger for the Atari and Frogger on the arcade, you might not realize, like I didn't in my stupid young head, that they are very different games. And while it's not bad to sharpen your skills on the Atari version, those skills do not necessarily translate to the arcade version. And I started hyping myself like you wouldn't believe they started to buy into the hype, and they saw me play the Atari version and thought, hey, he's pretty good at this. It got to the point where we were going to my friend's birthday party at an arcade not too far from us, a group thing, and my friend started telling everyone how good we all were at our respective video games. Now, they were pretty good at Pac-Man and Donkey Kong, much better than the average player. I got up there to play Frogger, put my first quarter in. I didn't even make it past the street. Everybody was gathered around me, quickly turned away, and I pumped quarter after quarter. We were supplied with a certain amount for the party into that game, trying to get good, trying to show them my potential. I'm not sure, but I think that it was my inability to master Frogger that killed what would have been our nationally recognized arcade team. So, I guess I'll take responsibility for that. I have since gone on to get a little bit better at Frogger, and... 
come to love this little game that I couldn't master as a kid. So on today's show, I'm going to talk about Frogger. We'll talk about gameplay, we'll talk about scoring, we'll talk about the company that created it, distributed it, and we'll throw in some surprises here and there. We have an info-packed episode ahead of us, so without further ado, let's start the show. game Frogger came out in 1981. It was developed by Konami and licensed by Sega Gremlin. Now we've probably heard about Sega and I've mentioned Sega in other podcasts. I even talked a little bit about Konami. I'll just do a little overview here. Konami started working on amusement machines for arcades in 1973. They didn't create their first real game machine until 1978 and in 1979 they would begin exporting games to the United States. They've had a couple of hits. In addition to Frogger, they had Super Cobra, Scramble, and many others. Frogger would be distributed by Gremlin Sega, or Sega Gremlin. Sega, as I mentioned, you probably know. Gremlin is a little bit more interesting. I remember seeing the little Gremlin logo on certain machines and thinking, wow, that's a really cool name for an arcade game company. Gremlin was founded in 1973. Their first game was play ball which was a coin operated wall game they would get into the video game market in 1977 with their first arcade game blockade in 79 they merged their operations with sega and then from that point on the games that they created or distributed went by gremlin sega or sega gremlin probably their most successful game was frogger but they also distributed namco's gb in the united states Sadly, the video game Crash claimed Gremlin, and they closed in 1984 after being acquired by Bally. Frogger is one of these games that came out that wasn't the traditional shooter or beat-em-up type games. Instead, it was a cute game, a game about getting a little frog across the street and across a very hazardous river to his little home, and it is pretty adorable. While trying to get across, there are many obstacles, including cars, other animals, turtles that go up and down, all of them moving across the screen. Now on the lower portion, where you have the cars, you have to move forward avoiding these vehicles, and you can get across. Once you get to the water, you have to jump on top of those moving objects. Now some of those will go underwater and you get a little indicator, so you have to move off them before they dip underwater. And if you can make it to the top, you start over and have to fill in the entire top before you clear the level. One of the things that was really cool about Frogger You could be playing this game for a while depending on what settings the arcade decided to go with because you could start with three, five, or seven frogs. If you found a game that had seven, you just lined those quarters up and you got yourself a whole afternoon of entertainment. Unfortunately, almost every arcade in my area back in the 80s set it to three. It was very rare that I saw anything that had more than that. I find that a big problem with the game was the joystick itself because... 
this isn't the type of game where you push forward, and as long as you're pushing forward, your frog moves. Instead, the joystick needs to go back to its middle position. So you have to push forward, let it go back in order for it to move. So you're constantly tapping, tap, tap, tap the joystick around. If the joystick was off a bit or wouldn't respond in one direction, your game was completely shot. And I can't tell you how many times I went into an arcade, put a quarter in, played a good amount, say made two or three frogs up, and then decided to pull back on the joystick, you know, move the frog down, only to find that I couldn't move the frog down, which adds a level of challenge to the game that I often couldn't overcome. There are just so many ways to die in this game. There's also a lot of ways to score points. You get it for moving, jumping forward, getting your frog into one of the five niches at the top, catching a fly, catching a fellow frog on a log, and then if you clear the entire board, you could score more points. If you were bored in an arcade and you're just watching Frogger, you can play around with it slightly in a track mode if you watch the game and wait until the frog gets to the top while the arcade game is in a track mode, which is that mode you see whenever you're walking past arcade games that don't have quarters in them. Once that frog is at the very top log, you can actually take control of it and play a little bit just to get an idea of what it's like. It is only the last move, but when you're a kid and you have no more quarters left, it feels like one of the coolest things in the world. It's basically free gaming. Free! Can't beat that price. One of the things that was really cool about Frogger is the music just doesn't stop. And it's music that changes based on the action in the game, which was something new for the time. Now, the music in the game, the one that you hear at the beginning, is the first verse to a Japanese children's song called The Dog Policeman, or Inu no Amawarasen. And I know I'm butchering that, and I apologize to anybody who speaks Japanese. Two other songs included in the gameplay of Frogger are the themes to the anime Areguma Rascal and Hananoko Lunlun. While these songs would be in other home versions, only the Dog Policeman is included in the Atari 2600 version. Frogger was a big hit at the arcade, so it made sense that it would be ported to almost every console, both at the time of its release and leading up to pretty much now. Parker Brothers would receive the license from Sega for cartridge versions, and Sierra would gain the magnetic media rights, so they would release their games on computers and anything that had a tape drive. Parker Brothers, which is the version I played at home, would release cartridge ports for the 2600, Intellivision, 5200, VIC-20, Commodore 64, ColecoVision, and the Atari 8-bit computer. When Parker Brothers was putting this game out, they were also releasing the Empire Strikes Back, and they would spend $10 million on advertising these titles, which is more than the advertising budget for the actual Empire Strikes Back movie. And that would pay off pretty well, because they would sell 3 million cartridges, and Frogger would be the most successful cartridge of Parker Brothers. The company Coleco, I should mention, would create these mini arcade tabletop games. My cousin had them all. They were so much fun. They created a Frogger version, and that would join Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, and Galaxian. I had a friend who had a digital watch that you could play Frogger on, and those were created by Nelsonic. They also had Pac-Man and Qbert. I thought Frogger was pretty good, as well as Pac-Man. I could never master Qbert. The Frogger one's pretty accurate, except not as big. A lot less traffic and a lot less river, but still very playable. If the teacher found it, though, they would totally take it away from you. So you had to be careful. There is some controversy about 
the game Frogger, and the game Freeway, which was released on the Atari 2600. And they do have sort of similar gameplay, but they were developed independently of one another. Probably what they have most in common is each of them has a very fun working title. Freeways was Bloody Human Freeway, an apt description, and Frogger's was equally apt. Its working title was Highway Crossing Frog. It's pretty difficult to get much more accurate than that. Frogger has had numerous sequels for the home video game market. Probably too many to name because the list goes on, but they started way back in 1984, and they're still releasing stuff as of 2013, so Frogger cannot be stopped. Now, I guess I can't talk about Frogger without talking about CBS's Saturday Supercade, which I already did an episode on, but I'll talk a little bit more about it now. In 1983, CBS had the brilliant idea to do Saturday morning cartoons based on video games, and one of the games they decided to feature in Season 1 was Frogger. Sadly, Frogger and Pitfall Harry, which had been part of Season 1, were replaced in Season 2 by Kangaroo and Space Ace. Frogger, the main character who's called Frogger in the show, although I don't think the name of the character when Frogger was released in the arcade was Frogger, I think. The name of the frog was Frog, and the game was Frogger. But in the Saturday Supercade version, he is Frogger. He was voiced by Bob Sarlotti. For more information about the Saturday Supercade, I suggest you check out the episode I did on it. It was a lot of fun to do. Unfortunately, if you want to see the Saturday Supercade, you either have to go gray market or find somewhere online, because Saturday Supercade has never been released on VHS or DVD officially. Frogger was also immortalized by Buckner and Garcia, who are probably better known for Pac-Man Fever and Do the Donkey Kong, but they also created a song called Froggy's Lament that took sound effects directly from the game. It's a great, fun song. Gets you really in the mood to play. In the 90s, Seinfeld was very popular, and they decided to use Frogger in one of their episodes, a very important episode, the Frogger. In this episode, we find out that George Costanza, who's Jerry Seinfeld's friend, got the high score on Frogger, a tremendous high score, and for some reason, that score is still there on the machine. It has never been taken down. His score was 860,630 points, which would kind of be impossible because Frogger only has a five-digit score counter, but maybe George was just remembering how many times he flipped it over. Of course, this being Seinfeld and George being a lovable loser, while he decides to adopt this machine and take it home with him and even figures out a way to not shut it off, he decides to live the Frogger dream, and in the process, his Frogger machine gets crushed. Now, George has this super high score, once thought unobtainable, but people have obtained it and beat it. On July 15th of 2012, Michael Smith of Springfield, Virginia, scored a high score of 970,440 points. This beat a high score that was set in 2009 by Pat LaFay, who scored 896,980. These are the only two scores 
that have been verified that have beaten George Costanza, who I guess would be the third-place champion in all the world. Not bad, Georgie boy. If you're in an arcade that has classic video games, or say you're setting up MAME to play, you might rush to play Pac-Man or Donkey Kong, maybe Asteroids or Space Invaders, but why don't you take a moment and listen, and if you're lucky, you might hear that wonderful theme song. Maybe wander over and watch it for a little bit. Wait until that frog gets to the top and at the last minute, push it into its home. Then maybe put a quarter in there. Test the joystick. I have a feeling you'll see that Frogger, like every other classic game, is a great test of your dexterity, mental acuity, and patience. It's not the type of game that needs to be number one or number two. And the people who excel at it don't need to be the ones constantly in the spotlight. We know it takes a lot of practice to get good at games. Let those who jump barrels and eat dots get all the glory. We'll be happy just moving our frog and keeping him safe. Thanks for listening to the show. For more retro fun, you can drop by the website at www.retroist.com. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at facebook.com slash retroist.com and twitter.com slash retroist. The music you hear on the show is by Peachy. If you have musical needs, you can email Peachy at peachy at retroist.com. Thanks for listening to the show, and I hope you have a great weekend. Here I had... Oh, you hear that? That's brilliant. This has been a Rush Risk production. Goodbye.